Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Guys, it is gorgeous outside today. Like, sun is shining, almost 70 degrees. It is the perfect day. As soon as I'm finished taping this podcast, my goal is to get outside, get some vitamin D, get some sun on my face, and actually work in the garden. I hate cold weather, so all of garden prep season, which is in the cold and the wind, I usually let Jim take care of, but when it's sunny and 70, sign me up. I'm ready. So I'm taping this the beginning of April. So I just actually went up to the garden today. It looks like the garlic is growing really well. I haven't seen any asparagus tips yet, but I know that's coming soon. And for all my rhubarb lovers, I got rhubarb growing and... I'm trying to think if there was anything else that I saw. I don't think so. I know we also, well, I shouldn't say we because it was not me. Uh, Jim pruned all the raspberries and blackberries. So I know they're ready to go come July when we start to see growth for that. So super exciting. I'm really hoping to do more with preservation this year. I used to watch my... My grandma can things. I never learned how to do it, but I would like to, I'd like to learn. I think it's definitely uh, something that makes sense. We should know how to preserve food. And, you know, we had all those wacky shortages at the grocery store over the past couple years. And if I have a garden and I have a surplus, I think that it makes sense to learn how to preserve it. I usually do things in the freezer, but there's only so much freezer space that we have. And that is going to be one of my, my goals this summer is to learn how to do this. My other goal for the summer is to plan a vacation. I probably have shared this before. Maybe I've shared this every summer and I just forget, but I absolutely hate planning vacations. And you may think that this just sounds really silly. And it sounds silly to me too, because who wouldn't like planning a vacation? Like that just sounds like fun. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to stay? What do you want to do? It is so stressful for me. I get overwhelmed very quickly. I start going down rabbit holes that lead me to nowhere. And then I just wasted hours of my life. And if that wasn't bad enough, Jim is even worse than me. So there's two of us that are terrible at planning vacations. I've got Jake asking me every other day, what are we doing for vacation? Can we go on some college trips and can we start visiting? And and the answer is yes, of course. Yes, we can do all those things. Um, when? I'm not sure. But he wants to do a vacation with colleges mixed into it. We did a huge road trip last year. Uh, we went out to like Pittsburgh and St. Louis and Nashville. I don't know if I have it in me to do another big another big road trip. 
And honestly, I don't think the kids have it in them to do another big road trip. So I'm at a loss. So if you have any great ideas, let me know. It's also Jim and my 20 year anniversary, which I feel like absolutely needs to be celebrated with a little mini trip for just the two of us. So I have all these big plans of things I want to do, and I have to remember that I already have a full work schedule, and I also, um, you know, need to be mindful of finances. So all my big plans that I want to do, I have to pick just one or two, and it's hard. And so when it feels hard, I just give up. (laughs) I know I'm not the only one that doesn't like vacation planning, so... If that is you, let me know so that we can commiserate together. What I do want to talk about today, what I do know, and what I I feel more confident and comfortable talking about is, is food. Specifically the topic, why do we overeat? And so I think there's a couple reasons. I've pinpointed four that I want to go over today, but this is probably one of the number one things that my clients struggle with when they come to see me for weight management, right? We see people at diet at body metrics for a whole host of reasons. We have weight management, of course, uh, but we also do medical nutrition therapy, you know, whether you have maybe diabetes or high blood pressure, or maybe your last set of blood work didn't come back as stellar as you would hope. Uh, Maybe you have some GI issues or autoimmune problems and you're looking for nutrition to complement your treatment plan. So we do a whole lot of things at Body Metrics, but we do a lot of weight management. Most of the times, our clients have done lots of different programs. They've tried it all. That's actually one of the questions. What have you tried in the past? And usually I get the look, what haven't I tried? I've done Weight Watchers. I've done Noom. I've done... LA or not LA fitness. That's the gym. Um, I've done the, the meal programs, the, um, Octavia I've done calorie tracking. Like they've done so many different things. And a lot of times they'll just come and they're like, just tell me what to do. I'm so confused at this point. Am I supposed to be doing keto? Am I supposed to be doing low carb? Am I supposed to be doing low fat? I have no clue anymore. And can you just help guide me? And honestly, I love these clients because they are so open to learn not only about their habits, but their just about nutrition in general. Like they are sponges because they've gone through so many things that haven't worked and they're finally ready to figure out what does work. And so I have a captive audience. They're excited, they're hopeful, but they're also ready to stop doing things that aren't helpful and that actually make them take 10 steps backwards right? I don't ever promise flashy results. I don't promise that you're going to lose 10 pounds in two weeks because if you're doing it the right way, it should take you a little bit longer, right? And so one of the struggles that my clients deal with a lot is this idea of overeating because most diets have always told them not to eat or don't eat too much. Like I'll, I have clients that come in and just, just tell me what to eat. I'll do exactly what you say. And I was like, well, 
you know, that, that is one thing, you know, if that's really what you want, I can help you with that. But I don't always want to tell you what to eat. I want to teach you to figure out what to eat. It's that whole idea of giving somebody fish versus teaching them how to fish, right? I want to empower them. I want them to know that they can trust themselves. I had a lady the other day, just tell me what to eat because I can't trust myself around food. I was like, well, let's, let's deal with that. Rather than me telling you how to eat or what to eat, that's a Band-Aid. How about we work on you building trust with yourself so you know what to do in any situation? That sounds like a better plan than just telling you what to eat. Because let's be honest, I can give you a meal plan and nine out of 10 times, you're not going to follow it anyway because things got busy. You ended up going out to eat. You couldn't get to the grocery store like you thought you could. So why not learn about your body, learn about your cues and how your body communicates to you, learn about your habits, how you think. Let's focus on those things and that's what's going to get you long-term results. But let's go back to the overeating because again, this is probably the number one thing that my clients struggle with that are dealing with weight management. Why do I overeat? Or I know what I should be doing, but I don't do it. So let's kind of break this down a little bit and talk about the physiology behind what goes on when um, you diet and the desire to overeat and the cravings and all those thoughts. Let's uncover that today and, and get to the root of the problem. And I'd love to know which one of these four things you resonate with. Um, and there may be more than one. But I'd love to know if you can see yourself in any of these situations. And then we're going to talk about how do we move forward, right? What are some of the tips we can do to walk our way through this? Um, we're not going to, you know, how do we get over it? We're not getting over it. We're, we're going to walk through it. And we're going to get to the end. And I'm going to be here the whole time. And if you're struggling, you can ask me for help. I'd love to do that for you. We're also going to talk about how to hold yourself accountable because that's another thing that we struggle with. So I'm going to give you some practical tips with that as well. So let's jump in. Why do we overeat? All right. Two main reasons why people are overweight. It's either because they're eating when they're not hungry or they're overeating past fullness. And most of my clients can resonate with both of those statements. But we're specifically going to talk today about the process of overeating past fullness. You know you are getting a cue and you ignore it anyway. Right? That's usually what happens. For some of you, you don't even know what your cues are. So we have to back it up a little bit. But let's first talk about past diet trauma. Reason number one that you overeat is you have past diet trauma. I actually created a program uh, on our website. It's called Diet Rehab for this very reason. Because so many of my clients, because they've tried so many different things, they have what we call diet trauma. All right. So I want you to think back to the first time you tried to lose weight. You had this idea, I'm going to lose weight. And in order to meet that goal you decided to eat less. Whether that was skipping meals, whether that was putting less on your plate, whether that was, you know, not snacking. At some point in time, you decided that you were not going to eat as much or you were going to just skip a meal in an effort to lose weight the quickest way possible. 
And so you may have skipped breakfast or you may have, you know, skipped lunch or, or went really late on those meals. And then all of a sudden you got hungry and hunger was something to be feared because now you have a decision to make. Are you going to give in to that hunger or are you going to stay strong? Are you going to be motivated and have willpower and be able to just power through, right? You have to remember that your body sees hunger as a threat. Well, hold on. Let me back that up because that was not right. Your body sees restriction as a threat. Hunger is just your body's hunger. You failing to meet that need, that's more, that's what I mean by your body seeing that as a threat. All right? Because now your body is in a position where it is thinking that you don't have access to food. Right? Historically, we would, we didn't have grocery stores that were open 24 hours a day. You had to go find food. You had to forage for food. You had to hunt for food. And there weren't time, there were a lot of times where Food wasn't accessible, and you had to wait. So when your body has to wait, alarms go off, right? Alarms go off. There must be danger. There must be famine. There must be no access to food. And those alarms going off send panic in your body. They actually increase your hunger hormones because your body wants to go find food and the intensity increases and your cravings increase. Like there is a physiological response to hunger if you don't meet it. Your body gets acutely aware of food, finding food, so it can feel better and you can survive. And so you've decided you were going to skip meals or you weren't going to eat as much. Your body went into this alarmed state and you may have been able to hold on to that for a few hours or maybe a couple days or so but eventually you ended up giving in and eating and maybe even overeating right and then you had to the next day get all motivated again to to do the process over and over again well when you do this over and over again you have this thought I'm going to restrict. You physically start to restrict. The alarms sound in your body. Panic in, sets in. And eventually you overeat. Right? That's, that's typically the cycle that happens. Over and over and over. If you do this long enough, your body gets smart. And it learns to skip a couple steps. So you have this idea you want to lose weight. You don't even have to physically restrict just the thought that you are going to eat less, not give yourself food, can start sounding off the alarms. Your brain's like, oh my goodness, here we go again. Sound the alarms now. Let's just get this part over with so we can go back to eating because that feels safer. I think that's crazy. So in the beginning, you have to physically restrict to get the alarms to set off. But if you've been doing this diet thing for years or decades, you can bypass the physical restriction and go right to mental restriction. Or you can go right to alarms from mental restriction. And so 
When you decide you are going to diet and not give yourself enough food and not eat, all these alarms start sounding in your brain and it gets you on high alert and every part of your brain tries to shut that down because it's not a good idea, right? It wants to keep you safe. And so sometimes that compulsion or that desire to eat comes from a physiological response. It comes, it's a learned behavior based on past actions. And so we have to, what I find, let me back up. What I find to be really helpful is taking small steps, not doing these really restrictive diets, the ones that promise you the world in a few weeks, and then blame it on you when you can't follow through with it or see it long term. Because it was never meant to be a long term solution. It was meant to try to get you results very quickly. So you would buy their program and they would make money. That's really what's happening. All right, they're not thinking of your long term health. They're not thinking of you know, the emotional toil that you go through every time you follow a a diet that fails. They don't care that you turn in on yourself and blame yourself for it not working versus looking at the program and realizing it wasn't sustainable in the first place. They don't care as long as they have your money. I remember I was part of a program one time right out of school and they had asked the people to do something ridiculous, definitely not sustainable. And I remember calling out the one person on, that was t- developing the program. I'm like, what? I don't understand this. Like, this isn't even realistic. And he's like, what do I care? They'll fail and then they'll have to do the program over again. And we get paid again. I was like, wow. I don't know if I was just really naive when I got out of school and just thought that everybody cared about people. But, you know, you learn very quickly that money talks and, and people are greedy. And that's unfortunate because you're a real person with real feelings. Um, you have a story. And that's why I do this podcast. I don't make money on this podcast. I do this to help people um, so that they can live their lives the way they want to live. All right, so one of the reasons why we overeat is past diet trauma. A second reason why we overeat, if we want to get real practical, is your eating speed. You're eating way too fast. It takes 20 minutes for the signal to go from your stomach to your brain to tell you that you are full. Most of my clients are finishing their meals anywhere between four and a half minutes and eight minutes. They are not allowing for the signal to move to their brain to let them know they are finished eating. Your eating speed is everything. Slow down. Why are we in such a rush to do everything? And I get it. The kids are in activities after school. I was even looking at today's schedule. I'm like, all right, I got to pick up the girls from club at 445. And then they've got um, soccer from six to seven. And that's just the girls. That's not even the boys in the family. And so You know, I'm trying to time the meal where we can actually sit down and eat versus hurry up and throw this down your throat so we can get to the next activity, right? And then because our kids have to eat fast, we just eat fast too because that makes sense. 
we match the speed to which our companions are eating. So if you eat with fast eaters, it's just a matter of time before you become a fast eater. My client yesterday made a comment. She's like, my husband's such a fast eater and I don't want to sit by myself to eat. So I just eat the same speed he does. So we at least finish together, right? So one of the things that she was working on was trying to get her husband to slow down, you know, talking about chewing their food more thoroughly. Um, You know, you should chew to the consistency of applesauce before you swallow, right? How many people do that? Not many. Usually people are inhaling their food, right? Chew to the consistency of applesauce. Put your fork down in between each bite. Eat with your non-dominant hand. That slows you down over 30%. That's a really good one. Um, Smile in between each bite, right? So that you slow down and chew more thoroughly. You don't want to flash your broccoli to your family. But whatever you need to do. I personally, I like to take three deep breaths before I eat a meal just to set the pace. You're not going to go through the process of taking these nice three deep, three deep cleansing breaths and then go off to the races. It just would feel disjointed. So slow down your pace. Set a timer for the beginning. Just see how long it takes you to eat. You know, are you in the four and a half minute side of it? Or are you more towards the nine minute side? Or do, does it take you 15 minutes? Maybe you're actually good with this one. And I know not every meal can be a 20-minute experience. I get that, right? I've got teachers that have about 10 minutes before they get their kids back from lunch, and then they have to run to special. I've got um, nurses that don't really get a full lunch sometimes. So by the time they get all the way to the cafeteria to get their lunch and walk back, they only got five minutes or so to eat. I get that not every meal is going to be a 20-minute experience. But just because one meal can't be a 20-minute experience doesn't mean that the rest can't either. So start with the meal that can be a 20-minute experience and just start there. Do it when you can, and that's progress, right? Uh, For some of you, you really enjoy the connection to others when you eat. And so sitting at the table, continuing to sit is a reason why you may eat past fullness because you don't want that experience to end just yet. So I'm curious, what is your eating speed? And... Are you getting that connection that you're looking for during your meals? Are you matching anybody else's speed or are you setting the tone? Like I said, first things first, before we can even start to change is we have to know where we're at. So set a timer, get to know how long it takes you to eat a meal and work from there. All right. The third reason that you may overeat is your perfectionist tendencies, this all or nothing, right? A lot of times we do something that we don't want to do. And then the first thought is, well, I already blew it. So I might as well keep going, right? And we forget that there's lots of places for victory versus 
the, I shouldn't have just done it at all. And now I messed up. So I'm going to punish myself. And by punish, you mean I'm going to give myself permission to do all the things. And if you think about it, the reason why you give yourself permission to do all the things is because tomorrow you're going to have to restrict even more. We go back to that past diet trauma. I remember years of dieting, years of dieting. I think I shared with you, I was heavier in college than I was pregnant with twins. And I would always have these big ideas of how I was going to lose weight. I would create spreadsheets. I would create menus. This was actually before I was a nutrition major, right? I was pre-med in college for a couple of years, which stressed me out to no end. And I realized I wanted to have a family and I wasn't going to be able to see my family as much as I wanted if I went into medicine. So I switched over to nutrition. But all that stress of studying, 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 lots and lots of studying. Um, I just would study and eat, study and eat. And it was a really poor habit that I got myself into. But I would restrict myself to the point of not letting myself enjoy anything. Like no desserts, no cakes, no cookies, nothing with fat. And it would last a day or two because eventually the stress would get so high and I would just say, can't do it. And then I had this thought, well, I messed it up. So I'm going to eat all the things that I'm never going to allow myself to eat again. So that way I get them out of my system one last time. Like I remember going to... I remember going somewhere on campus and ordering a cheesesteak. Now, I, I mean, cheesesteaks are good. I like them, but they're not my, my favorite. They wouldn't be like my go-to dinner option. Again, not because they're not good, just they're just okay for me, right? And I would go and order cheesesteaks and cheese fries. I don't normally eat cheese fries, but because I was going to have to double down and be even more careful and more strict the next day, I would just give myself a buffet once I messed up. So that way I could get the cheesesteak out of my system just in case day three of my new strict diet, I was in the mood for a cheesesteak. I would start getting random desserts because who knew if I was going to have a craving for, you know, a, macad a white macadamia nut cookie six days into my new restricted diet. So I would just randomly grab all these foods because I had already blown it. So I might as well eat everything that I can possibly think of that would trip me up in the future. And you want to know what happened? I gained even more weight. Shocking. I know. Right? Are you noticing that your dieting behaviors are causing you to gain more weight than lose weight? it might be time to do something different. <laughs> That's where the dietitians at Body Metrics can really be helpful. All right. So do you have that all or nothing thinking? If as soon as you mess up or as soon as you get off your game, you find that you go so far the other direction. Right. Again, if you make your diet super, super restrictive, Eventually, you're going to get resentful. And when you get resentful, it always leads to rebellion. So the trick with this is don't plan. 
such a restricted diet. Don't create so many rules for yourself that you can't that you're you can't possibly do well. You're doomed for failure. Right? Where are opportunities that you can give yourself grace? Where can you say to yourself, you know what? I understand what happened. I am able to see where things went the wrong direction and I'm going to get right back into it. There was a mantra that uh, one of my clients had. I don't know if he called it a mantra, but I do. And he said, quick down, quick up. As fast as I fall down is as fast as I'm going to stand back up. And I love this one because just because we mess up doesn't mean that we have to stay down. Somebody pushes you down, you stand back up. You don't just lay down there and just stay there. You get back up, right? And the perfectionist thing, I get it. I'm that type A perfectionist, you know, never happy with anything less than a, an A in school or, you know, my very best. It's most of the time that perfectionist thinking stalls you out and you end up not doing anything or you end up going the opposite direction. So I think growth is being able to see that I'm not actually getting where I want to be. I'm going further away from it and then being able to pivot and start adopting different ways of thinking, right? All or nothing usually leads to nothing. So that could be a reason why you're overeating. And then the fourth reason why you may be overeating is just due to mental restriction. All right. So one of the reasons that we seek out food is for joy right? You think about why do you eat when you are stressed? For a lot of us, we're trying to calm down. We're trying to get all those nerves to settle. Uh, We need a distraction. We're looking for a positive emotion, right? When we don't feel good, when we're frustrated, when we're lonely, when we're bored, when we're agitated, we are seeking out a coping strategy to feel good, to feel comfort, to feel pleasure. So you grab that food, you start eating it. What is the first thing your brain starts telling you while you're eating this? You shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. Right? You know you shouldn't be eating this. This is a bad food. Now we're going to have to double down and, and work even harder tomorrow. You're totally blowing it right now. You're going to probably get on the scale tomorrow and gain five pounds, right? So mentally, you're looking for pleasure and calm and joy. And that's really, really hard to find if in the background, you're shaming yourself and belittling yourself and guilting yourself and telling yourself what a bad person you are for eating that food. And so what do you do? You keep eating. Because you're on a mission to find joy and pleasure. But yet you can't find joy and pleasure because you're too busy yelling at yourself. Do you see the conundrum we're in right now? Right? So some of the reasons why we continue to eat is because we just really like the taste so much. 
And we know, we've talked about this in past episodes, that your rate of pleasure decreases with each successive bite. Eventually, you hit the peak of your pleasure experience in, in, when you're eating, and then it slowly declines. Again, we know this to be true if you've ever gone to a buffet. You can see the people that are going up to the buffet line for the third and fourth time. They are no longer enjoying their meal. They are determined to get their money's worth. And so if you are eating too quickly and you are not enjoying and savoring your first couple bites, and then all of a sudden you realize you didn't pay attention to the first couple bites and you start to seek out that pleasure experience, you may continue to eat even when you know you're full because you're desiring that experience that you flew past the initial time. Or like I said, you're seeking out that calming, pleasurable experience, but you can't get to it because the other part of your brain won't shut up. And so we overeat. And then there comes the other part. Well, now you did it. Now you messed up. So might as well just keep going. And then tomorrow we'll do better. And the thing is, you honestly believe that. You totally believe that tomorrow you're going to be a completely different person. You are going to be motivated. You're not going to let any barrier or challenge get in your way. And then tomorrow comes and you realize, I'm still stuck with all the same challenges. My kids are still, you know, aggravating me and I'm still busy and my boss is riding me. All those things are still there. And we don't know how to deal with them, so we look for an escape. And around and around and around and around we go. All right? So how we get around this one is I just want you to pay attention when you're eating. Savor your food. Enjoy it. Food is meant to be enjoyed. It's not just about fuel and sustenance. That's part of it. But it's also a way to connect with others. It's part of our culture and our heritage. And you should absolutely enjoy what you're eating. But to do that, you have to sit down and be present and pay attention and and let the food move around your mouth. Give yourself permission to eat some of these fun foods. It can't be 100% diet foods, 0% joy foods. There has to be some joy foods worked into your routine so that you have longevity and you can stay in the game. Otherwise, why are we doing this? Most people come to me because they want to have a lifestyle change. They want to do this for the rest of their life. Nobody yet, I'll say yet, But nobody yet has come to me and said, I need help losing 20 pounds and I'm fine with finding those 20 pounds again next year. Nobody says that. Everybody says, I want to lose 20 pounds and keep it off forever. Okay, well then we got to figure out a long game plan. Because right now, everything up until this point have been short-term game plans and they haven't worked. All right, so I'm curious, which one of these reasons resonates with you? Is it past diet trauma? Is it your eating speed, that all or nothing thinking, or just the mental restriction and seeking out the pleasurable experience? All right, which one is one of your challenges? 
And then how do you plan on changing that? I gave you a couple ideas during the during the podcast. So I'd like to hear what you're planning to do to make changes. Now, I do want to make a quick note about holding yourself accountable. All right. Holding yourself accountable is important because how else will you know if you're staying on track? All right. The whole point of holding yourself accountable is to set yourself up to do the things you want to do and don't do the things you don't want to do. That's accountability. There's two different types of accountability. There's internal and there's external. So internal accountability is you holding yourself accountable. External accountability is somebody else holding you accountable. And both are helpful. Both are helpful. I think you need both. All right. So an example of internal accountability would be tracking, whether it's through a habit tracker or a calorie tracker. I like habit trackers personally. Um, external accountability would be a dietitian, a coach, a therapist, you know, somebody that can ask you the questions. We're much more likely to be successful when we hold ourselves accountable to other people. And I know the pushback is, yeah, but I should be able to do this on my own. Says who? Who says that you should be able to do this on your own? Some people are not internally motivated. And so if you find that you're telling yourself that I should be able to do this by myself and I don't want to ask for help, if it's not working, we may need to pivot. And that's what dietitians are here for. We're here to help you build bridges. We're help. We're here to help you create new ideas, new things to try. You know, again, most people don't realize their health insurance covers visits with a dietitian. So I don't know. I know I'm absolutely biased, but I think it's silly not to take advantage of that opportunity, especially if you're working on something and you keep hitting the same walls. Right? So here you go. Here are four small tips that you can do to hold yourself accountable. Number one, first figure out, do you actually want to change this habit? You know, back to the example of overeating. Do you really want to change it? Most people say they want to change, but they don't want to change. They want to still keep their habits. They don't want to have to um, do anything different on the holidays. They don't want to have to do anything different on vacation. They don't want to have to say no to certain foods or pay attention to their body's cues. They don't want to do the work of changing their mindset. And that is fine. Right? I'm not here to convince you to make changes that you don't want to make. It's not my job to try to convince you to make changes you don't want to make. I'm here if you've identified something that you want to change and you're struggling to figure out how to make that work. But a lot of us have this idea, well, I should change this. I should stop overeating. But if you don't want to stop the habit, you're not going to stop. Now all of a sudden you, you know, now you just have guilt and that's not helpful, right? So first of all, you got to key in, do I actually want to change this habit? 
And then be very specific. Number two, be specific as possible about what you're going to hold yourself accountable to. Small steps is the way to go. All right. It doesn't have to be a complete overhaul. From now on, I'm never going to overeat again. Right. Why don't we just start with, you know, for this week, I'm going to pay attention to my fullness cues. And I'm going to acknowledge where they're at in comparison to my plate, how much food left is left on my plate. We're just going to start there. Right. Small steps. All right. And then in addition to planning out what you're going to hold yourself accountable to, I also want you to plan out what are the words you're going to say to yourself when that opposition arises. So maybe your goal is to stop eating when you feel a fullness cue. Great. You may be like, great, this is what I want to work on. Perfect. Done. Okay. It doesn't stop there. The second part, though, is what happens when your brain is like, yeah, I don't want to do this. This is stupid. I'll just do it tomorrow. But it tastes so good. I don't want to waste food. I don't want to, I don't want to leave the food here. Right? Because your brain is going to oppose this new idea because it's not a habit yet. It's not comfortable. Your brain doesn't like to do new things. It likes what is comfortable and what is familiar. So when you're coming up with your plan, don't forget to also come up with a plan of what you're going to say to yourself when your brain wants to oppose this new idea because it will happen. And we get so caught off guard. Oh, I didn't realize that I wasn't going to be motivated in the moment. The morning I decided to make the goal, it sounded like a good idea. Yeah. We need to come up with the words we're going to say to ourselves in the moments so that we can follow through. The third thing is you're going to check out a habit tracker. Check out a um an app for habits, use a calendar, print off a free calendar, and just X off the days that you do the habit. The goal is to have more days that are X than not, right? Maybe you work at twice a week, twice a week turns into three times a week, and so on and so forth. But you got to start somewhere. And then finally, number four is don't be ashamed to ask for help, right? That's what we're here for. Sometimes people will say to me, wow, you have so many ideas. And in my head, I'm like, well, that's my job. That's my job. Like, do you know how many people that I've worked with over the past 20 years? I'm probably in the thousands at this point, I would think, right? So I've been around a little bit. I've seen some of the struggles. I've seen what works. I've seen what doesn't work for others. You know, I've, I've been around to observe enough people to kind of steer you in a direction where the majority of people have had success. Like, why not tap into that resource? Right? So be really clear if you want to change the habit. Be specific about what you're holding yourself accountable to. Also coming up with a script when your brain opposes, use a habit tracker, and then don't be ashamed to ask for some external accountability. We would love to help you. All right. All right, guys, that's what I have for you today. Oh, the recipe. My goodness. Here I was ready to push stop recording and 
I was going to hold out on you. So today is a spring minestrone soup with orzo. So for this recipe, you're going to need a tablespoon of olive oil, a six ounce bag of baby spinach, three cloves of garlic minced, four cups of low sodium vegetable stock, three cups of water, one zucchini diced, a pound of asparagus trimmed and cut into one inch pieces, a cup of fresh or frozen peas, three quarter cup of orzo, a lemon, grated Parmesan to serve, and optional is crushed red pepper to serve. Two steps in this one. Step number one, in a large pot or Dutch oven, heat the oil on medium heat, add the spinach in batches and cook for about five minutes until it's wilted. You can season a little bit with salt and pepper here. Um, and then you're gonna add the garlic and cook for 30 seconds until it's fragrant. Next, you're gonna add the veggie stock and the water, bring that to a simmer. Add the zucchini, asparagus, peas, and pasta. Cook for 10 to 12 minutes until everything is tender. Remove from the heat. And then right before serving, you can zest and juice the lemon into the pot and serve with a little bit of Parmesan and crushed red pepper. All right. This is a great way to use up all those spring vegetables in the garden. Um, great way to get a ton of vegetables, all, especially all those nice green vegetables that we all love. And um, I think you're going to really enjoy this. All right, guys, I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Bodymetrics Health. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.